Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pre-Med Perspective. I'm Lasia, and I'm here today with a really special guest. His name is John Moore, better known as John Wells Moore on Instagram and TikTok. And he's a third year at Clemson, and he's studying... He's studying a really rigorous course, um, biochemistry and genetics. And today I have him on to talk about his story. And his story is one that I think a lot of people can benefit from hearing, especially before this application cycle that's coming up, this whole MCAT season that's up and on the rise. I know a lot of people take the MCAT in summer. And even if you're a freshman who just kind of thought they could do better in the last semester and is trying to bounce back, and I know it's hard during this pandemic, but John started his freshman year with a 3.4 GPA, not as good as he thought he could do, and worked his way up to getting 4.0 cumulative GPAs uh, for the rest of his semesters at Clemson. He not only struggled with the SAT in high school, but he really didn't believe in himself. But today, he has a stellar GPA in a 519 MCAT. So first and foremost, congratulations, John, on you know, beating the odds in your situation. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Yeah, awesome. So I want to start off by talking a little bit about, you know, the past. You know, this might not be a time that you really want to talk about, but it's <laughs> one of those things that we need to address because it's so important to see where you went wrong to fix those and be better, you know? So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I came to Clemson as a, a biochemistry and genetics and major, and I, uh, I didn't really know at that point that I wanted to go into medicine. I, I thought I knew that I wanted to go into medicine, but um, I hadn't really done any shadowing, and I didn't really knew what it entailed. So freshman year, I, um, I, I found myself not really knowing how to study at all. Uh, I squeaked by, feeling like I was working twice as hard as my peers and getting half the grades. Uh, I squeaked by with a three, four, two, just taking like uh, in bio and in, in gen, gen chem. Um, and, uh, and then my second semester, I brought it back up to like a three, six. I think I finished freshman year with a, around a three, five. Um, and I knew I talked to some doctors after that. and I knew that wasn't going to cut it, especially not since I'd yet to really even get into the really hard classes. Totally. And I think there's a couple prongs to the situation, right? It's one, realizing that if we have freshman listeners, it is totally okay and recoverable to make mistakes your first semester, right? You're not only adjusting to this high level of thinking that you're not used to in high school, but you're also getting used to living on your own, which is a huge adjustment on its own. And the second point is, I think it's so important, like you said, the difference between you as a 3-4 student and now, you know, at a much higher GPA is that I think truly it was you seeing the medical field and you truly seeing what it meant to be a physician that enabled you to make that change through finding that motivation within you that this is truly something I want to do. And I don't think that GPA determines whether you make a good physician or a poor physician. It more determines, hey, are you going to get into med school and are you going to pass the boards? And fortunately or unfortunately, that is an imminent and you know, crucial step in becoming a physician. And without that, you're nowhere. So I'm super glad you caught that early on. And I want to ask you, what were the tips that you changed from 
your freshman year to sophomore year where you were getting 4.0s in harder classes, for example, like Orgo? Yeah, so so my sophomore year, uh, I went into my semester taking 17 hours, which is more than I had taken before. And I had, I was taking, you know, Orgo one, physics with calc uh, and, and genetics. Um, and so three harder classes. Um, I knew going in that I that I wanted to get a 4.0. One of the one of the first things that changed was my mindset on it all. Um, before I hadn't really cared about, I didn't even know if getting a 4.0 was was really possible. Um, and as, as far as, you know, uh, in college. And then when I turned around, when I came back sophomore year, um, I knew that that semester I was going to get a 4.0. That was my that was my option. I'd also talked to, like I said, uh, uh, one one physician in, in general that or specifically that became my mentor moving forward. And he, you know, if this isn't going to cut it, uh, this GPA, if you really want to do this, you've got to you've got to go in and get good grades and you've got to come out with a with a much higher GPA. And and that actually motivated me a lot because I'd be up some nights not wanting to study, not wanting to keep studying, hear his voice. And I knew I was going to go back and, and talk to him again in the over winter break. Thinking, do you really want to tell him you got to be in this class and that class or, or whatnot? Um, so I think it was a combination of one, finding the motivation because there's no, there's no way around working harder, uh, but also finding some new study strategies because you can't work harder and outwork everybody who's working smarter. You know, you've got to get better strategies as well. Totally work smarter, not harder, right? Yeah, I like to say um, that that smarter nor harder works, but it's the the student who is constantly reevaluating and constantly seeing what works for them. That's the guy that's gonna or gal that's gonna succeed over time, just because sure. of the compounding. Yeah, and I think that piece of reflection here is so important because the same strategies that you use in high school aren't really going to cut it in college. Maybe they can be similar, but obviously you need to adapt it to your new personal, social life, whatever else is going out around you. And again, I think it's so, for you, a huge motivation was, hey, like I want to become a physician and this mentor is really pushing me. But for someone who doesn't have that, I think it's so important to realize shift the mindset and think about it this way. The reason you need a good GPA for the most part to become the physician you want to become is because you need to make it through that academic rigor. You know, there's no shortcuts here. You have to work hard in some part of your life or the other and not saying nobody, not everyone works hard. Everyone works hard in their own way, but let's say you don't get such a stellar GPA in undergrad, you know, that might result in you having to do a post or a master's, which you're going to have to put that work in there if you really truly want that um, to lead to a medical school acceptance. So it's really about, hey, how can I best prepare my mind to handle the rigor of medical school and the boards and being a physician? And I think that's really a healthy way that personally keeps me going. But I want to know, what are the specific study habits that really changed your way of thinking and resulted in, you know, those improvements over time? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things I started working on was uh, active recall. Uh, most of my most of my study tips have kind of revolved around active recall, which is uh, to put it kind of simply, you know, rephrasing 
the a bullet point of information in the form of a question. You can do that with flashcards. You can do it with uh, Cornell note taking. I know that's kind of an unpopular one, but I, I like to use. Um, but I I stopped rereading my notes over and over and over, which is something I had been used to doing, especially in high school. It was enough to read the textbooks, read my notes, and be done. Um, now what I like to do is is uh, we'll first watch the lecture or, or, you know, be in class watching the lecture, read the textbook, take notes while I'm in class, let it sit for a while, and then go back and either summarize that um, or uh, in the form of a question or make flashcards, just kind of reframing the information. And then once I've got that list, I can study from there. Uh, that worked wonders, just going from rereading to, to actually manipulating the information over and over. Yeah, and I think this looks different in every class, right? For example, yeah. in organic chemistry, physics, chemistry, this exact strategy might need to be formatted a little bit differently. I know for me, I really love active recall like you do. And something that really worked well for me personally was in class, for example, I don't know, in organic chemistry, I would always focus on, hey, let me not just like spend all my energy, like trying to write down every word she says, you know, just after she's done talking, maybe write down the basic mechanism, go home, look at the examples that we practiced in class, cover up the answer, try to do it myself, and then look at the answer to compare it. Or I think in chemistry one, what really helped me was looking at those examples we did in class, covering up the answer and doing it yourself. And even, you know, manipulating those questions, making up your own questions, like you said, is tremendously helpful. And in essence, you are essentially creating your own test bank. Yeah. And I always try to um, differentiate, especially when I talk about it on TikTok between uh, their math-based classes, their concept-based classes, and then their memorization-based classes. And you kind of you kind of go about setting those a little bit differently for each. Uh, memorization-based classes, um, flashcards are the way to go for sure. Something like a history if you're memorizing dates, or or even like a communications or psychology management. Yeah, so sociology, something like that. Yeah, those are all. Um, where you where the best thing to do is to memorize the terms and to pay attention in class and you should end up okay. Um, the concept based classes are definitely the hardest because those were the best way to, to work with a, with a concept based class, maybe like a biochem or like an orgo, even though orgo has a little bit of math in it, is to uh, reframe the information I feel like teach it to other people, um, see how many ways you can kind of move it around in your head. Um, because the more you get the big picture, uh, the more you're going to be able to, to fill in some of those gaps. And then the math-based classes, um, they're, they're hard to study for, but the, the, they're easy to know how to study for. Uh, it's just practice problem. There's only so many ways to ask a physics question, you know, um, and if you do enough practice problems, you're going to get it. Absolutely. And I think that distinction of three types of classes for other majors, there might be even more, but of course, we're specifically talking about the pre-med track here. It's really important to adapt to what is being taught and really understanding, hey, how are all the ways that this question can be asked? That way you are prepared for every sort of those ways. So we've been talking a lot about testing within university-based classes, but there is another huge test that is a huge hurdle to jump over in order to become a physician. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the lovely MCAT. So our guest here, 
cracked the MCAT real well, right? He got a 519 stellar score. And I want him to talk a little bit about how he went about this. And I think the first and foremost way to do this is talking about the schedule he followed. He followed an awesome schedule that I want all of our listeners to to hear about. So go ahead. Yeah, so um, I studied, well, I only I only truly studied for the MCAT for about 10 weeks. Uh, that being said, uh, my entire sophomore year, uh, the classes that I were taking, I knew they were going to be in the MCAT. Um, and I was working really hard on committing them to memory, not just learning them for the test, stuff like orgo, stuff like physics, stuff like biochem and genetics. Um, I wanted to really get a good understanding on those classes so that I wouldn't have to relearn that for the MCAT and waste energy. Um, so that worked well. When I actually came down to studying for the MCAT, um, I had the 6.30 a.m. time slot. Uh, so I figured the best way to do it was to just do like a 10-week immersion, basically, uh, in the language of MCAT. Um, so I did content review for five about five weeks. Um, and then I did just strict UWorld practice questions for about three weeks. Uh, I took a practice test every Saturday. Um, and then I would review it for about a day, about a half day on Sunday, about a half day on Monday. Um, and then I think that what gave me a real edge on it was I got up every morning at about 445, uh, which is what I planned to get up before the MCAT. Um, and I was studying brain turned on, ready to go by 6.30 so that when test day came around, I wasn't groggy. That's just what I'd been doing for the last two months, you know? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of important factors we need to hit on when we talk and reflect upon your journey here. One of them is understanding that these types of tests are not just about everything you know, right? So there's a difference between content and being able to show that you know the content. So there comes that good divide between content review and practicing. The second part is this isn't just about being able to regurgitate the information. Like I said before, it's about your body and mind having the stamina to get through that exam. In your example, a couple come up, right? One, being able to get up that early in the morning that most of us college students are not used to is so important to practice. And I think a lot of people overlook that. And again, the second part, which comes down to taking those practice tests constantly, your body needs to get over the hurdle of physically sitting for some something that strenuous for that period of time before you can even think about, you know, what score can I get? This score can I get? How can I improve my score? Right. So it's, it's definitely a balance between how can I literally sit through this test and how can I show that I've mastered those content? And I think you did a really good job achieving both of those. And I'm sure that your body was just on like autopilot mode when you went into the exam. So with that being said, I want to hit on one important point. The point being that you know, you spent 10 weeks studying for the MCAT and 10 weeks is not long. Some people spend six months, one year, however long you take. It's important to note that the MCAT isn't about how much did you learn in those 10 weeks, six months, or however long you took to study for the MCAT. It's about how well did you retain, you know, those three years of undergraduate knowledge. And I want you to talk a little bit about how we are always truly studying for the MCAT as pre-meds. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause I was going to even, I was going to interrupt you and say, when you said I studied for 10 weeks and or I, that's when I, that's when I really got down and focused on MCAT specific stuff, but you know, you're, you're studying for the MCAT all the time. If you're, if you're taking a class, that's going to be on the MCAT, then you're studying for it. Um, 
one of the biggest problems that kids run into, students run into, I think is the car section. Um, and luckily my grandma has, well, she, she made me read every day from a very young age. And that's a habit that I've kept up with. Um, so I, the car section wasn't as, as big a hurdle to me, but I freshman asked me, I start studying for the MCAT now thinking that they're going to, I'm going to say something about biochem or biology or chemistry. And I always say the best thing you can do is, is read for 30 minutes a day. Um, that's a huge hurdle that a lot of people don't, don't have enough time to get over. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, and I, sorry to cut you off. I just want to talk about freshmen studying for the MCAT, right? I know as a freshman myself, I was like, how can I get ahead as much as possible? And I think it's important to realize cars type things. Sure, like that's the one section on the MCAT. You don't need to have much background knowledge to do. That's totally something I feel like you can practice ahead of time. But I want you to talk a little bit about, do you need to always be truly studying for the MCAT in the sense like, okay, when I'm taking my Chem 1 class, like, should I be taking practice questions alongside of it? Or do you think that that after focusing, you know, on truly learning the material during those two or three years that you did, and then cracking down on it for 10 weeks was enough? How do you suggest that people go about that? Yeah, no, practice, practice material is expensive, and I would not recommend wasting it um, when you're not going to remember it, um, for, in my, in my mind, uh, studying for the MCAT for more than six months, that's, that's just asking, I mean, truly studying for the MCAT for more than six months, uh, just kind of asking for burnout at that point. Um, you know, you can do practice questions alongside these tests, but you're probably not going to stay consistent with it because it's not going to be real yet. And I don't, I think it'll be marginally beneficial. Um, the MCAT is based on the material that every student learns in Gen Bio 1 and 2, Gen Chem 1 and 2, Orgo 1 and 2, and Physics 1 and 2, Psychology and Sociology, right? There's a little bit of biochemistry or a good bit of biochemistry now and, and a little bit of genetics, um, but it's not, there's not anything that you're not going to be able to either learn in those classes or pick up again in content review. I wouldn't, if I had to go back and do it again, I wouldn't take practice questions, take practice tests alongside those. Because I think what, what it allowed me to do was uh, the first two years of, you know, cause I took it after more years. So the first two years I was really honing in on the material, getting a good grasp of it. And then that last 10 weeks sure was a refresher course on content review, but what it really did was allow me to see kind of the pattern of the test. Um, and because I did it, you know, for 10 plus hours a day, six days a week for 10 weeks, um, I really felt like I, like I said, I got an immersion and I, and I came out the other side, seeing how the test works. I would read questions and predict what the choices would be. Um, and I think that that's not something you're going to get if you study for three years, that's something that you get from really hammering it for two months, three months. Yeah. And I think what you're trying to say here is as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do over those two to three years and you're doing what you're supposed to do during that immersion period, you're golden, right? And I love the point you made about you're able to predict what the questions that they're going to ask. And I think that's truly a hallmark of a successful um, intelligent test taker is this is a standardized exam, right? Every single version of the MCAT or the SAT, ACT, the LSAT, whatever standardized exam is 
has different questions. Of course, the questions are never going to be the same, but they're testing you on the mastery of the same exact concepts on the test. And there's, again, we've made this point, but there's only, only so many ways you can ask a question. And I think once you've really immersed yourself and once you've taken those practice exams and once you've taken those cube question being uh, seriously, you're really able to do that. And that really pays off on test day. I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, and and like you said, um, you know, what what I what I tried to say about by ranting about I'm not getting started too early is don't you know don't waste your time, have fun, uh, don't don't get too overly stressed about the MCAT as a freshman. Um, the advice I have freshmen who who come to me and ask me stuff is uh, learn to study, you know, set up good habits, good systems, learn good study habits, and then have fun, find a good friend group. Uh, but you shouldn't be stressed up at night losing sleep over the MCAT freshman year. That will come. Uh, like you said, just stay on track, do what you need to do in your classes, uh, and everything will fall into place if you're doing the right things. Yes, I love, love, love that advice. And I think that's so underrated. Like, forget the MCAT. Let's think about becoming a doctor as a whole. I think even once you're, you know, you've passed your licensing exams, you, you're an MD, DO, whatever, at the end of your name, you are always going to have to take exams. You're always going to need to be on the grind to keep your job. You're always going to be needing to take those boards every 10 years or whatever, right? So if as, I don't know, a freshman, you're, all, you're already like always thinking about something that's coming up so near in the future, just remember the grind never ends. And if you fall into that deep, dark oh, hole yeah. of always worrying about what's to come, you're only doing a disservice to your mental health. Yeah. And, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We all, we all know that. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm applying in less than 90 days at this point, which is kind of surreal considering I felt like I was just a freshman yesterday. Um, but, you know, it's a marathon and it's not a sprint. If you look at it four or five, six years down the road as a freshman, you're just going to get stressed out unnecessarily. You're going to get burnout. Um, look at it a semester at a time. Uh, and get into the habit of doing the best that you can do every single day, doing the best you can on every single exam and enjoying the process of, of learning the material and, and doing well and doing your best. Once you set up those habits, you can auto, you can, you know, cruise control to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you not only focused on the ideas throughout our talk here of reflection, using reflection to bounce back, right? Finding your potential, using others as inspiration, finding inspiration within yourself, focusing on having a good discipline and work ethic, but at the same time, your mental health has to be a priority. So thank you so, so much, John, for hopping on with me today. It's always so fun chatting with you. Uh, I recommend that everyone check out his TikTok. He posts some pretty, con now, I don't, I don't want to say controversial stuff, but <laughs> we both know that it causes a huge conversation in the comment section. So if you ever want to partake in some medically related discussion or just see what people have to say and get awesome advice john's tiktok is definitely the place to go so once again thank you Thanks so much me. 
Yeah, thank you so much for hopping on. I wish you nothing but the best in this upcoming cycle. And I can't wait to see where you're where you end up. And um, we will be sure to give our listeners an update when the day comes. So to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in yet another Friday. Your constant support keeps me going. Um, stay healthy, stay happy, stay safe. And I'll see you again next Friday. Bye, guys.